This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Today, Ken Paxton is officially acquitted. Donald Trump criticizes the pro-life heartbeat laws and Hunter Biden sues the IRS. We've got all of that and more coming up and it all starts right now. Welcome to the News and Why It Matters. I am Sarah Gonzalez, and today, Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton is back at work after the Texas Senate voted to acquit him on all 16 charges and dismiss the remaining four charges they hadn't yet taken up on the Senate floor. In fact, although Republicans had two defectors, State Senators Kelly Hancock of Tarrant County and Robert Nichols of East Texas, which... Oh, primary season is going to be fun. The impeachment charges were so bogus that all but two Democrats sided with Republicans on several of the counts. And in true fashion, Democrats in the Texas House immediately began whining and crying that the fix was in, they were paid off, and that the Texas Senate put party over truth. Here is one of the House impeachment managers, Democrat Ann Johnson, refusing to accept the results of the trial. The Board of Managers presented overwhelming evidence that Ken Paxton is the most corrupt politician in the state of Texas at this time. And the Republicans in the Texas Senate just returned him to the office of top cop. I will rely on what I said on the floor of the Texas House. God help us. Moment of silence for Ann. Okay, that's enough. Uh, although all involved were bound by a gag order preventing them from sharing their opinions publicly throughout the process, at its conclusion, Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick, who presided over the trial as judge, laid into the Texas House for ramming this impeachment through and called on legislators to amend the Texas Constitution to ensure this never happens again. He also called for a full audit of the House investigation launch. Millions of taxpayer dollars have been wasted on this impeachment. 31 senators and a large Senate staff that made this trial possible have put their family life, their jobs, their business on hold for the last three months after already being here from January to June. I'm going to call next week for a full audit of all taxpayer money spent by the House from the beginning of their investigation in March to their final bills they get from their lawyers. We will provide our cost as well that were forced on us by the House impeachment. One big difference. We didn't pay a huge team of outside lawyers and investigators. We did it mostly with our own staff, working endless hours with no extra pay. As Representative Smithy said, this is not the way it has happened in the past in the House. That's why I believe we've only had two prior impeachments. Our founders expected better. It should have never happened this year, and hopefully it doesn't again unless we address this in the Constitution. And finally, members, may God continue to bless the greatest place God ever created on Earth, the place we call Texas. 
here to help me break down the case and what happens next is a rock star member of Paxton's defense team, attorney Mitch Little. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for being here. How was your weekend? My weekend Ooh. was busy. Yeah, I, I could tell just a little bit. Um, mine was busy as well, but mostly just watching you guys. So, which has been my, the last two weeks of my life has been wrapped up watching you guys. So I can't imagine. Too, your coverage was unbelievable. Well, really. I, Thank you. I, yeah, yeah, I appreciate it. Um, it. It just, it was fascinating to me because look, I'm not a smart attorney like you are. Okay. But I feel like I know enough to be dangerous and I'm, I'm, I'm watching all of this and I keep going, okay, but where's the smoking gun? Okay. But Okay, but where's the smoking gun? Okay, but where, but where is the actual evidence that you guys kept telling me to the point where I thought maybe I am the dumb one and I'm missing something because I, I, I haven't seen any actual evidence to, to show any of this. You captured it all. I mean, there was no whistle to blow. There was no smoking gun. There was no meaningful evidence in the trial. I think it was plainly evident for anyone who actually watched the trial, watched the proceedings day to day. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, I want to I want to play one of my favorite moments, which is you. And I believe this is uh, Mark Penley, one of the so-called whistleblowers. This is what I call them, the so-called whistleblowers, uh, Mark Penley. And it's an amazing exchange between the two of you where he just you get him to admit like, yeah, we didn't provide any evidence to the FBI before we actually came to them with all of these allegations. Watch. You signed this. Yes, I did. Yes. It says, we have a good faith belief that the attorney general is violating federal and or state law. Yes? Correct. You had a good faith belief on October 1st, 2020. Yes? Yes. Did you bring any documentary evidence or physical evidence to the FBI? No documents, no physical evidence. And just to be clear, your testimony on direct was one of the reasons you thought Nate Paul had no credibility was he didn't give you any documentary evidence. True? Based on his theory, there was nothing to back up his theory. Correct. Yeah. And so it's fair to say if you had had documentary evidence of any crimes by Ken Paxton, you would have brought them to the FBI when you visited with them prior to this letter. True? I disagree with you. Oh, so you would have sat on it? No. <laughs> if you had any documentary evidence of a crime by Ken Paxton, you would have brought it to the FBI. Yes? No. No, you wouldn't have? No, this was an initial <laughs> report by eyewitnesses. And it happened in a hurry. I agree with that. <laughs> I, so I have to ask you, Mitch, when, you, when this was happening, were you in your head, you're like, I got him. You know what, I, Sarah, it was truly a bizarre exchange. It's one of those things that happens in a trial, and you're, you're really not expecting I thought for sure he was going to say, well, if I had documentary evidence, I would have brought it to the FBI. And then he throws me a curveball, and he goes, no, no, I wouldn't have brought it. I'm like, what's happening? Yeah, it was, um, it was one of the great joys of my life, honestly. Really? Yeah. Tell me why. Yeah, just um, having... Having followed this from the week it was happening in the House before they're having the 48-hour surprise vote on impeachment, all the way through a trial, we had 400,000 pages of documents dumped on us over a month and a half. Honestly, the most challenging legal endeavor of my entire career. And it comes to the moment, and this is the guy who's accusing the attorney general of corruption, bribery, um, intimidation, all these horrible things. And they've just got nothing. Yeah. Nothing. And I'm 
It's being presided over by some of the most influential politicians in Texas. They've spent untold millions of dollars trying to depose Ken Paxton out of his office, and there's nothing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you didn't miss anything. <laughs> you were covering it. You were covering it. You got the story. I so Okay, so going into this process, obviously you said you didn't have very much time. How confident were you... While before the trial started, go just just reviewing everything. You, you, obviously, there's no evidence, but how confident were you that justice would prevail? Because I'm watching it, and I'm like, if the fix isn't in, yeah. if they have to go by the evidence and they have the evidentiary standard of beyond a reasonable doubt, there's no freaking way they can vote to impeach him. But I just don't have enough faith. <laughs> in our legislature. So how confident were you going through the process? That's a great question. So the, you always have this piece of you that's wondering, is any of this going to matter? Mm-hmm. Because they can really vote however they want to, find the evidence to be whatever they find it to be. And so I made a decision early on, I'm gonna ignore that, I'm gonna try the case like I try any other case. Mm-hmm. And so the strange juxtaposition, Sarah, was I'm getting these 400,000 pages of documents and the case is not there. But if you read the Dallas Morning News, you read yeah. the Austin American Statesman, you read the Texas Tribune, the Houston Chronicle, there, there are mountains of evidence. Well, surely the mountain is going to be delivered to me at some point, <laughs> right? But I'm going through literally hundreds of thousands of pages of documents and I know it's not there. Mm-hmm. So as we're progressing toward the trial and while we're in the trial, my confidence is growing and I'm like, this is really what I thought it was. It's nothing. Yeah, yeah. Um, do, have you ever had a, a criminal trial that has this little evidence? Well, here's something you need to understand. I, you know, I worked on this case with uh, a living legend in Dan Cocktail, yeah. but I am not a criminal lawyer. Okay. I'm a commercial lawyer. And so, um, you know. Well, my, how were you so good at it then? It's just trial law. <laughs> okay. It's You're trying cases. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, this case is, Similar, I mean, obviously the stakes of this case were higher than anything I'd ever worked on. Yeah. But the mechanics, the procedure, the basics of trial law are the same. Okay. And so my thought was, man, this is an incredibly high burden of proof. I don't think they can meet it. Um, they just, they never had anything to bring. Yeah. Um, I want to ask you about uh, just some, I don't know, rumors here in Texas. I want to bring up Adam Lowy. A tweet from Adam Lowy, who said, per several sources, the House managers were very upset with the performance of Rusty Harden through the trial. The bigger question is, why did the managers hire an 81-year-old to be the lead counsel in the biggest trial in Texas history? Who were the other options? Now, I'm going to take the 81-year-old out. Okay, Okay. that that comment I'm going to take out, unless you'd like to comment on it. I don't want to hit him for his age. I would just say... Could any attorney have have made anything out of a case with no evidence? Well, here, here's how I would couch it. So this is a literal living legend in Texas trial practice in Rusty Hardin. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had a couple of foibles in the trial, or mis- I'll call it missteps. Yeah. Everybody does right. in any trial. But um, let me just cut right to this with a scalpel. So during the case in chief and this is not known in the public, but the House Board of Managers, through their lawyers, they were trying to put on the witness stand their own lawyers and hired investigators. (laughs) And when that happened toward the end of their case in chief, I thought to myself, 
we have this, they have things they want to try to put on, and they haven't gotten it in, and they don't have a mechanism to get it in. Mm -hmm. And so what was Rusty Harden supposed to do about that? He, in my view, he, he's a fine gentleman. I came over to council table and said, Rusty, it's been one of the great honors of my life. And I think he's an excellent lawyer. And I think he had absolute dog water for facts. Mm -hmm. And somebody delivered this to him. They told him this is 10 times worse than what you've seen in the media. And in reality, it was one tenth of the case they said it was. Is there any doubt in your mind that this was political retribution? No, oh, this was absolutely not, Sarah. I, I mean, what could be more transparent? If you just look at the timing of it, mm -hmm. the, the timing of Dade Phelan visibly, apparently, allegedly <laughs> drunk on the floor of the House while he's presiding over the House, Ken Paxton three days later, issues a statement calling for him to resign, and bang, within days, the impeachment happens. Mm. We didn't even know that there was any type of investigation going on. Otherwise, we could have, I don't know, tried to defend ourselves in the House. Right, right. So how much of this, I mean, it sounds like you put the blame squarely on the House impeachment managers for jamming this through with absolutely no evidence and probably blindsiding their attorneys that they hired to do the job as well. 100%. I think the House Board of Managers should have gone through the historical process of gaining information, allowing for witnesses to be called, gathering evidence in the House. They totally failed, but I believe the failure was intentional. I think the Speaker said, okay, we have this impeachment investigation in the oven. We're pulling it out and eating it now. And then they started whipping votes from ignorant House of Representatives members. Mm -hmm. And there should be hell to pay. Yeah, I agree. I agree. What, so I played a little bit of, of Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick um, calling to have this full audit of how much money they've cost the taxpayers on this process. But he also called to amend the Texas Constitution. And I thought that that was really interesting. What do you think that they should, just speaking as an attorney, what should be done? What, what kind of language should they strengthen to make sure that this never happens to a state official again? That's a great question. So, um, First of all, let me just say, I think the speech that Dan Patrick gave on the floor of the Senate was the most consequential political speech in Texas of my lifetime. Yeah. That's how significant it was. And so when the impeachment occurred, I immediately thought to myself, wow, I guess I'm about to become an impeachment lawyer. I went to the Texas government code, started looking at what, the, what was required. Of course, the House Board of Managers completely violated the rule. House General Investigating Committee completely violated the rule by not swearing a, sw a single witness. What needs to be happened, I don't know if we need a constitutional amendment, but some brilliant representative or senator needs to bring a bill to amend the government code to provide for a very clear procedure for how the process is to be run, calling witnesses, um, giving us an opportunity to respond and appear with counsel, um, all the things that Dan Patrick talked about in his speech. Um, to, to Governor Patrick's point, it's important enough to require a constitutional amendment. I'm not sure it's necessary to deliver the desired result. But, Sarah, I just want to say this. If they're going to ignore the black letter law, why should that help? Right. Right. Yeah, that's a that's a great point. Um, OK, last question for you. So obviously this whole case was about, you know, the whistleblowers going to the FBI with all of these allegations. And yeah. I know you guys frequently um, said it's OK. Well, all this happened in 2020. It's now 2023. 
The FBI seems to have no problem weaponizing themselves against conservatives. I'm pretty sure they would love to take out the most conservative fighter in the entire country. Why haven't they gone after Ken Paxton? So do you think, because I worry that the FBI is watching this going, okay, well, we thought he'd get taken out by his own people, but now he hasn't. So do you think that this makes them more, um, I don't know, uh, willing to go after Paxton? Or do you think that they now have seen, oh, crap, there's no evidence there. And now these people have just embarrassed themselves. So maybe we should just leave it alone. So I'm going to wildly speculate. First of all, I want to say, I, regardless of the circumstances, I don't think it's wise to poke the bear yeah. with federal government. But I don't think any U.S. attorney watching that trial said, I want a piece of that. Right. I, I think if you watch the evidence and saw that Rusty Hardin and Dick DeGuerin couldn't put a case together, yeah. how am I supposed to do it? Um, I think the FBI will try to exert leverage. They'll um, maybe leave this investigation hanging over General Paxton um, for some period of time. Uh, I think any, indicted, any, any indictment from Maine Justice would be foolhardy. But let me just tell you, I don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. But I know that God's hand is on this man, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. on Kim Paxton. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so you mentioned indictments. One more quick thing, because I know there are a lot of people out there who, uh, you know, they say, well, he's already been indicted all these times. He's a criminal. Could you explain, please, the difference between being convicted of something and being indicted? Because these are indictments that seem to be there hanging over his head. To your point, they seem to be hanging them over his head on purpose just so people can say, well, he's been indicted. Well, how long, how many, eight years, nothing's happened? Yes, ma'am, I've represented General Paxton in the, in the state securities matter for eight years. Um, these, the prosecutors who are bringing this case, just like impeachment, are paid prosecutors. Mm -hmm. They're not any district attorney. They're certainly not a federal U.S. attorney. Um, this case uh, is junk. Uh, it has served more, served more as political ammunition against General Paxton than it has reality. Um, at some point, there will be a, a reckoning or a resolution of that state securities board case or the, the state securities indictment. And uh, I expect, fully expect General Paxton to be completely vindicated of any of those allegations. It's funny because literally every single person who I talk to who knows anything about it or was around him at that time says the exact same thing that you do. He will be fully vindicated. Yes, ma'am. This case is nothing but political ammunition. So, um, well, Mitch... Thank you so much. I agree with you that this was like one of the most consequential historical uh, trials in Texas history. And I'm just so grateful to uh, to have you on the right side of it. And I was grateful for your coverage and um, glad you were paying attention. Yeah, um, I, this has been one of the great honors of my life. And, and thank you for bringing me on. Yeah, thank you. Um, all right. We will be back with more, but we want to thank our sponsor, Birch Gold. So you guys are living in, I mean, I don't have to tell you, we're living in, they would call it Bidenomics, but uh, I would call it Bidenflation. And if you're looking at your 401k or your IRA and you're like, you know, I don't like what I'm seeing. I kind of want to talk about diversifying. What I suggest that you do is call my friends over at Birch Gold. What they can help you do is diversify heavily into physical gold, or you can do like a tax-sheltered uh, IRA account with gold and silver. I have not, like, I'm not going to tell you guys to do something that I haven't done myself. My family and I just recently, once again, heavily diversified into physical gold, and we did it with Birch Gold Group. They make it very easy. So here's what I'm going to tell you to do. Text the word Y to 989898. They're going to send you a free information kit on gold. So there's no obligation. Read about it. 
uh, educate yourself, and then you can make the decision on what is right for your family. But I suggest if you do do anything with gold, go to Birch Gold. They've got an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. They've got countless five-star reviews, including mine. You can count on Birch Gold to help you navigate transitioning an existing IRA or 401k into an IRA in gold. And you can do that by texting the word Y to 989898. All right, want to welcome to the program Matthew Peterson, editor-in-chief of Blaze Media, along with Matthew Marsden, because we have to have both Matts at the same time, actor and producer extraordinaire, who I will now be referring to as Peterson and Marsden, or maybe I'll just say Matt and just screw them both up. Um, so I can't wait to get into this story with you guys. Mm. President Donald Trump sat down with uh, Meet the Press moderator Kristen Welker for an in-depth interview. And so one of the topics that they discussed was uh, the topic of abortion. And it's a very interesting moment during the interview where Trump uh, hit Governor Ron DeSantis and others who have imposed uh, heartbeat bills, which, of course, ban abortions at six weeks. Here's that exchange. Mr. President, I want to give voters who are going to be weighing in on this election yeah. a very clear sense of where I think you stand I on think this. they're all going to like me. I think both sides are going to like me. Let, let me what, but what's let Mr. going President, to have to happen is you're going to have to... Kristen, you're asking me a question. What's going to happen is you're going to come up with a number of weeks or months. You're going to come up with a number that's going to make people happy. Because 92% of the Democrats don't want to see abortion after a certain period of time. If a federal ban landed on your desk, if you were reelected, would you sign it at 15? Are you talking about a complete ban? A ban at 15 weeks. Well, people, people are starting to think of 15 weeks. That seems to be a number that people are talking about right now. Would you sign that? Uh, uh, I, would, I would sit down with both sides and I'd negotiate something and we'll end up with peace in that issue for the first time in 52 years. Uh, I'm not going to say I would or I wouldn't. I mean, DeSantis is willing to sign a five-week and six-week ban. Would you support that? You think I, that I goes think what he far? did is a terrible thing and a terrible mistake. So, Peterson. Mm. You sat in that very chair mm -hmm. last week, mm -hmm. and we talked about Donald Trump's comments last week. Mm -hmm. And I understand when he's dealing with this is Megyn Kelly. He's not taking responsibility, any accountability for COVID, mm -hmm. right? And I understand mm -hmm. the idea that you don't want to give the mainstream media anything. Yeah. What is his excuse for this? He's attacking Ron DeSantis from the left mm -hmm. on abortion. Yeah, I don't think... Um there is an excuse. I think it's obvious that he thinks that there is some kind of compromise, um, some compromise solution. And really, since the election, there were a lot of people who I radically disagree with who think that abortion actually hurt. Um, you know, and they, they sort of scapegoated the abortion issue as something that was, uh, that, you know, <clears throat> ruined Republicans' chances in many places. And um, there's certainly something to that argument in the sense that, yes, the left is very upset and it, about what happened with Roe v. Wade, and they were on the march. But I, I found a lot of those arguments to be less than convincing. Um, it seemed a simplistic, simple scapegoat. It appears that uh, President Trump has listened to that faction of the you know, party, and he's taken it to heart, and he thinks that there's some kind of you know, compromise that will be needed now that you have... Roe v. Wade overturned. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if I was spinning, 
you know, for him, I would say, well, Roe v. Wade is overturned, and I did that for you, and now all the states can, you know, figure it out, and there would have to be some kind of nationwide compromise if there was a nationwide solution, but, uh, you know, I, I, I'm going to find that. Because, look, it's just true, Trump has never been, uh, you know, a straight pro-lifer. Mm-hmm. I mean, he never really has. I mean, I thought it was great uh, and hilarious when he was in that first debate and talked about abortion, where it really appeared that someone the night before had told him <laughs> about late-term, you know, <laughs> uh, abortions, and he he just he he sounded like a guy who just found out. He's like, "Did you did you hear what they do? It's disgusting. <laughs> it's like murder. I can't believe they, but they do this." And Hillary was, uh, you know, flabbergasted, and 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 a lot of people on the right said. That was bad, I remember them saying, because it makes us look dumb or something like that. There were pro-lifers who were upset with him. So, yeah, I don't think it's uh, it's defensible. I think he is not uh, pro-life, uh, you know, in heart. Uh, I don't think he understands the issue totally. Um, and, you know, it's, he's, he thinks there's some kind of compromise on an issue, of course, that the whole problem has been for 50 years that... Um, you can compromise in practice, but not really in principle. Which is why it's so frustrating because, uh, and by the way, to your point, he, I've never known him to be pro-life, but he does deserve credit where credit is due. Roe v. v. Wade would not be overturned if it were not for him appointing the right Supreme Court justices. So obviously everyone who said, I'm voting for Trump for the Supreme Court in 2016 is completely vindicated. Um, But... It's just frustrating because it's like, do you have what what time do you think you're living in? Because the Democrats, when they have power, Mm -hmm. they seize it. They 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 will sign whatever pro-abortion, radical pro-abortion law that they can get their hands on and get passed and get to a Democrat president. I'm sorry. I think the time is over to be like, well, I think both sides are going to like me. Have you been alive for the past five years? Especially you, Donald Trump, of all the people. You really still think. It's like he's, he has this need to be liked too much by people. And he can't get past the fact that Democrats are never going to like him. They're never going to go there. So you might as well ram through all of the conservative values that you can while you are in office. Otherwise, what's the freaking point? Yeah, it's it's a bit weird when you, you know, you know that what's happened is when he's come out on Truth Social and said things before people like, listen, you have to be more presidential. Mm -hmm. And so I think that that is his way of being more presidential. He's like, well, I'm going to say that, you know, both people, both sets of people, it's not going to happen. There is no way that you are ever going to convince anyone. I mean, like you said, Trump derangement syndrome, it's a real real. thing. Yeah. Right. And I remember when, when he first started running, and everyone was like, he's not, he's not pro-life, he's not pro-life. And, and most people knew that he wasn't a pro-life president. But one of the things I always said is whatever you say about Trump and if someone comes after him, mm-hmm. he's going to double and triple down on it, mm-hmm. right? Which, which is why he was so successful. <laughs> because the more they pushed at him, the more he's like, you know, screw you. No, I'm going to go, you know, yeah, you think I'm not a pro-life president? Well, I'm going to be the most pro-life president in history and I'm going to... I'm going to overturn, help overturn Roe v. Wade, right? And this, this is like, I, I see this quite a bit on both dissent, with DeSantis. And by the way, guys, you can say, 
that DeSantis does something wrong. And you can say mm. that yeah. Donald Trump does something wrong, yeah. right? Because, yeah. because that's shocked. what we do. I, I can't believe I'm hearing this. Uh. <laughs> right? It's like, it's like, no, no, you can't ever say. Yeah. No, it's, you know, we have to hold these people yes. accountable. Yes. And I yeah. do think that this is why we're in this, like, we're in a very tribal situation mm -hmm. where you can't say anything against Trump, like to say to him, say, look, don't attack DeSantis on this, right? right. Because mm -hmm. this is not a win for you. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. It's not a win for you. Especially because she didn't, she handed him a very easy answer. Mm -hmm. If you, if you were given on your desk an abortion ban at 15 week, 15 freaking weeks, that's easy. Any Republican candidate, that's easy to just say absolutely freaking yes, I'm going to sign it. If they hand it to me, if it gets passed, Absolutely, I'm going to sign it, period, end of sentence. And instead, he didn't really give an answer and then brought up DeSantis. She didn't ask about it. He brought that into the, into the answer. It's just an unforced error. And I'll tell you this right now, like, every single pro-life person in America is like, what? Yeah. Like, what, what, yeah, I mean, I don't why get are you it. doing this now? Like, I don't get it. A lot of people in Iowa, uh, you know, yeah. uh, as well, who are already upset about the governor. But he's still the front runner and... You know, I think um, by far, and I think this is just an example of going back to the reality of, you know, there are no perfect candidates. And in this case, this is a political misjudgment. I mean, he's, mm -hmm. he's being told that he can thread the needle on this issue. And the problem is that you need the pro-lifers. I don't think anyone, it's quiet. It's, it's a quieter issue now than it yeah. was. So all these consultants are wrong. If you do not have the, the pro-life, they're the people who got you into office the first time, Donald mm -hmm. Trump, right? And you, you, can't, you can't throw them aside. And if you were going to compromise in some way or say, you know, I'll, I'll be sensible about it, okay, I guess. But that's, this wouldn't be the way to do it. Right. Uh, and so, um, you know, and then, of course, he's going to attack DeSantis. But DeSantis used power when he was in power. And, you know, he won by 20 points. So I don't think, you know, I don't think it works. Um, but I think that this idea that somehow... Um, you know, you can compromise on this issue is the real problem here because you really, you really can't. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, we uh, we got to take a quick break. We'll be back with more, but we want to thank our sponsor of this segment, Fume. So cold turkey might be great on sandwiches, but there is a better way to break your bad habit. It is called Fume, and uh, they look at the problem in a different way. It's an innovative. Matt Peterson is very. He is like, what is this? I'm it's very innovative, award-nominated device. It's completely natural, and it uses flavored air instead of vapor, and it has all natural flavors instead of harmful chemicals. Instead of bad, fume is the habit that you're free to enjoy, and it'll help make the process of replacing your bad habit a lot easier. It has an adjustable airflow dial and movable parts, so you can de-stress while using it. So. Maybe you have that bad habit, and I understand stopping is something you sometimes put off because it's hard, but switching to Fume, I'm told, is very easy. It has over 100,000 customers, thousands of success stories. There's no reason that can't be you. They've got a bunch of fun flavors. They've got, look at that, maple pepper, white cranberry, all that they've got a, a, an orange vanilla, I believe. It all sounds very good. So you can go to tryfume.com, use code NEWS to save 10% when you get the journey pack today. That is tryfume.com, use code NEWS to save an additional 10%. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. 
Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. All right, as of the time of this taping, there is still an F-35 jet that is MIA, missing in action after the uh, military jet Look, the pilot ejected himself, and the jet just went missing. This is the wildest story. It was on autopilot when the pilot ejected, and so it's just still continued to fly. (laughs) And they're like, we don't know where it is, but it definitely is still not flying, but we don't know where it is, but there's not a crash site. Also, the pilot ejected safely, but we still don't know why the pilot ejected, and also, uh, there has been an update just just now that uh, U.S. officials have ordered a two-day stand-down for all military aviation inside as well as outside the United States. They say no units are allowed to fly unless there is, discu- there is a discussion over the next two days about, quote, safety measures and procedures, end quote. What the hell is going on? I feel like this is like this is something else is going on and they don't want us to know. Not saying it's aliens. (laughs) But it's aliens. (laughs) Hey, China, you know what? Now would be a real great time to attack. I don't just told the world that nobody's flying. How does this happen? I mean, every part of this is $80 million jet and they say they can't track it. First off, first off, this jet has been a debacle from the beginning, right? We can't build things without these enormous uh, companies, you know, pissing away a ton of money, and the thing doesn't even work anyway. Uh, It has all kinds of problems, right? But this is just kind of the pinnacle of the problem that with the distrust that's going to grow between the American people and our military. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, just the way that they put out the, you know, how did you think this was going to be perceived? Hey, they literally came <laughs> to the American people. If you've seen this jet, let us know. It's literally, it's now, a hotline. And, and you do have to sit there and think, like, okay, so I'm pretty sure that we have this technology that tracks things. Because they seem to track everything else. Literally. In the world. They should put at the all times. On it. Uh, and so you lost this jet. And so the, all the jokes today, it just, you know, the government richly deserves. But I mean, I, that was the part you don't know. You don't you want me to help you find your I mean, the most credible thing I could find online was some guy on Twitter like, oh, I know that area in the south. Well, and I swear if they got there quick enough and this landed at some Jim Bob's back 40, he's already hauled that underneath the oh barn and no one's going to find it. Right. I mean. That was more logical than most of the other theories I've heard today. But so hang on, they know it's not flying. That's what, well, I mean, that's what they say, but they're basing it off of nothing because it was left on autopilot and they don't know where it crashed. So they can't, I don't think they can say we know it's not flying other than I guess like it should have run out of gas by now. I mean, (laughs) this is is just a joke. I mean, and, and look, I mean, one of the things that we should always pay attention to, and we tend not to as Americans, is the way we're seen by the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Like you have a projection of power, right, that keeps things stable. You also have a projection 
of incompetence that doesn't keep things stable. I mean, this is very serious, right? And so, so many questions. So if it's landed, did it just like, did it, did it just land by itself? <laughs> if it didn't and it crashed and we, I mean, yeah. I'm presuming it would be a giant explosion, an F-35, you know, exploding. Mm -hmm. We couldn't track that. No. We can't track Uncle Sam things. needs your help to yeah. find his missing jet. <laughs> I've got a tile. If I just beep, 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 beep. I know. I have just a, like, you're like, you have a tile. Like, we have the technology. Right. Uh, how in the world does this disappear? And then, but then, even more worrisome, I guess, right, is the fact that they just said, they really said this? I mean, this happened just while we were on the show. That for two days, they're shutting, I mean, there is something really, really wrong, as we all know, with uh, what's going on with the American military. Um, but I, I would predict that this is the first of many third world type incidents that we're gonna see occur in the coming years. And that's not because I'm a rocket scientist. Anyone who's been following this knows. We're just gonna see more stuff like this happen. So I guess we should get used to it yeah. and just make jokes. But it's hard to make jokes about a very expensive failed line anyway, a jet that has been plagued by problems also. Yeah. I'm very curious about why he bailed, though, too. That's why, why do we not know that yet? Do you not, like, ask him? What if it is an actual funny story? You know? but, but here's the thing. You know <laughs> what? I'm done. I'm but done. I, I, what, what, imagine it's like, can you tell me why you did that? No. No, I'm not going to tell you. But here's the, I want to I end this on, on a very positive note. Okay. It's a stealth jet. You shouldn't be able to find it. That's how maybe, stealthy it is. Maybe he was. Very he was like, stealthy. You can't even all right, find all right, it. Don't even find it. I'm going to put it in stealth mode. Bail <laughs> out of here. <laughs> Go in stealth mode. It's just in my so. Stealth. It's so sad because it's like it's so American government now. It's like oh. Of course, you, I, we would have an $80 million jet that you guys would just lose. 20 years ago, it would be unthinkable. It'd I know. Be completely unthinkable to me. I know, I know. Uh, in other news, there is an eBay listing for an $80 million <laughs> jet. But the good news is it is only $5.50 shipping, which I think is a steal when you're buying an $80 million jet. Now, don't lose it because you won't be able to find it again. But uh, check that out if you're in the market Selfie. for an F-35. <laughs> All right, we got, to, uh, we got to take a quick break. We'll be back. Remember that thing where Pepsi. All right, so Hunter Biden has filed a lawsuit against the IRS alleging that the agency illegally released his tax returns. He said that they violated his privacy by unlawfully disclosing his tax records to members of Congress and the news media. And I said that at the top of the show that we would cover this. He's asking for $1,000 per each disclosure of his tax information. So there you have it. That's the Hunter Biden news. But what I really want to get to is uh, COVID. So over the weekend, NBC News ran an article saying that doctors are... Well, they're having issues distinguishing COVID from common cold allergies and, and allergies. So it's a, doctors say they're finding it increasingly difficult to distinguish COVID from allergies or the common cold, even as hospitalizations tick up, which they, they don't get what they're admitting, which is that it's just a freaking cold. And I don't understand why people are still getting tested. Experts say, <laughs> what do I know? I'm just an actor. I was just always right about COVID. Experts say. Doesn't it feel nice, though, that like these people went to these fancy schools and got these degrees and they were probably thousands and thousands of dollars in debt for a very long time? And still, an actor 
dumb television host. <laughs> Someone who's dumb as a box of rocks can see. Thank you. So, oh, hang on a minute. Is that his... No, I'm just saying. And you still, you didn't have the credentials and the fancy titles behind your name. And yet, you still were able to predict that all of this was going to happen exactly the way it happened. Because it's just common sense. Yep. I mean, we, we, you know, anyone that approached this with any kind of modicum of common sense and uh, w could see where it was going to go. I mean, it was it was outrageous from the beginning. And let's just remember, because we tend to memory hole stuff real quick, yeah. is that this these people destroyed people's lives. They destroyed people's businesses. They, I mean, there are, there are individuals that couldn't hold their loved one's hands as they died yeah. because of these ridiculous people. Uh, we, we shouldn't, I mean, of course it's, you know, we can look back and we can laugh at this because it's so ridiculous. Um, but it's also very, very serious. And I think that we should, you know, people say never forget. I mean, we do tend to move on, especially with the news cycle that is so mm -hmm. rapid. I mean, this mm -hmm. is why you have this show, right? Because the, the news cycle moves so quickly. But this is, I, I think that we're in a real, we have a real problem because I don't trust any experts. Mm -hmm. If anyone says an expert says, oh my God, sorry. I, I just don't trust you. You can't, you can't track bloody fighter planes and you don't know when a cold is just a, you know, a coronavirus yeah. is a coronavirus. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it would be different if they weren't still trying to implement mask mandates and they weren't still using your taxpayer dollars to formulate this new vaccine that don't worry, guys, it's going to work great this time around, which Dr. Peter McCullough, who is one of the only experts that I trust, mm -hmm. has sat at this table and said they're, they're, it's, they're already behind. Like what, whatever this new, this variant it is, there are, it's already behind. It's already, it, that, that's, the virus is evolving very quickly. And so it would be one thing if they were just like, yeah, it just turns out that now it's the common cold. But they're saying that at the same time that they are still trying to bring back all of yeah. these mandates. Yeah, I mean, the, the problem, yeah. There's two problems, I, and I think we've hit on both of them, and they're both very, I want to hit them again, because I really agree um, with what my fellow Matt said, um, <laughs> that we can't forget this, yeah. but we have, people yeah. already have, and there needs to be, we just don't have the media apparatus to go back and do all the documentaries and everything else the left would do, because they would be reminding everyone all the time yeah. of how wrong they were and say never again, right, that's what we should be doing. Really important we do that, because they aren't done with it. Once they, they learned that they could get away with creating a medical emergency and taking power mm -hmm. and lying through their teeth and getting people to do things you never thought possible, you never thought Americans would, would lay down and, and take it like they did. So they still want to do it this way, and I think this way is sort of petered out. Like, yeah. no one, I mean, <laughs> yes, get your sixth booster for the common cold variant. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, I think people are somewhat over it, but... Um, you know, they're going to keep on, especially in blue states. They're not done. They're not done with any of it. Mm -hmm. And they're just, the only thing that prevents them from doing it again is the sense that, well, there might be actual, you know, mass, um, you know, mass civil disobedience, like so people won't do it. Right. But they're still threatening to do it every week. I mean, it's right. not, they're still pushing. Yeah. Right. Um, all right. Let's go ahead and uh, take a quick break. We'll be right back. It just makes me sick, that whole, the whole no, thing. It, it, it also, though, it comes back
All right, so apparently Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer directed his sergeant at arms to stop enforcing their dress code policy for his good buddy, um, John Fetterman. So there you, yeah, that's quite a vast difference in clothing. Those of you who are watching and not listening on the audio podcast, we're, watch, we're looking at a bunch of lawmakers dressed up, nice ties, you know, nice suit, and then there's John Fetterman, the oaf, in a hoodie and basketball sweats and tennis shoes. Like this is so, that is so embarrassing. So now they're not even gonna, they're not going to enforce the policy. Now we're just put, I mean, why stop there? Why not bring in you know homeless people off the street to come take their place? What's the difference at this point? They're going to gimp it. I'll tell you, there will be. They will turn up with some weird perversion at some point. That's where it's going. You know they will. No, I, I have to. It's, it's, it's such an it's such a mockery of the office. Lit, literally, Matt. Matt, 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 Matt. Hey. Yes. A hundred people in the entire country have the esteemed honor of being in this position and they can't even force them to dress nicely. How embarrassing is that? I, I mean, it's embarrassing and it's bad, but I've already moved through my anger have into, you? into the hilarity of it. <laughs> And there's a, certain, so there's a certain accelerationist in me that says, I think we just need to play this out and let America see where we're at, you know, and, and it makes it really clear. And what I love about it and what really is, uh, you know, either funny or even more maddening, as the case may be. I mean, I'm laughing because I'm looking at this picture of yeah. Fetterman who is brain damaged and they're parading around like he's, you know, perfectly normal wearing, you know, dad clothes for workout, you know, into his job at the Senate. Right. And no one cares. No. These people don't care. They no. don't care at all. That, I mean, the whole point, it's great if you have a brain-dead senator because they can just push the button. Mm -hmm. All they need to do is go and push the right button. Mm -hmm. And he can do that. So there he is. They're not going to have a dress code. So exactly what you said, there's going to be all kinds of fashion, crazy clothes, and they make all the help still wear suits. It's gonna be like the Hunger Games. Oh, it is. We are the laughing stock of the world. Thank you guys for being here. Stream and subscribe to more Blaze Media content at theblaze.com slash podcasts.